Welcome to a Cup of Freedom podcast. I'm Matt Galbraith, and this is a brand new podcast for finding freedom from pornography and sexual addiction and to provide a connecting place for people who desire to be free and sexually whole. This is episode two, and this episode is called Your Story Matters Part Two, Unworthy. And in this episode, I'm going to share more of my own journey and my own story, and we're going to talk about how talking about our feelings of unworthiness can be a great step toward healing in our journey to freedom. So let's go. It is for freedom that you have been set free. Welcome to a Cup of Freedom podcast, where we believe that freedom is available. Now, here's your host, Matt Galbraith. Thank you so much. That was my daughter who was doing my intro. I love it, and I love her, and I'm so grateful for her and her life. And uh, wow, that was really cool. So thanks, Ashlyn. Hey everyone, this is Matt. Welcome to episode two of A Cup of Freedom. It's great to be with you today. And yes, that was my own introduction. I did do my own intro, so you know, hey, I'm trying here, folks. So uh, anyway, I do have my cuff, cup of coffee, and today I am drinking the old Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So, you know, I used to not really like Dunkin' Donuts coffee, but it's kind of grown on me, especially over the last three months. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts that's near near where I travel a lot has had some specials on coffee, and so I've picked, been picking up a lot of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and I've actually kind of like it. So anyway, and I've just discovered, like in the last few weeks, from my oldest daughter is that it's not even called Dunkin' Donuts anymore. It's actually just called Dunkin'. So I wasn't even aware of that, but yes, it's now just called Dunkin'. So I have my Dunkin' coffee, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm ready to spend some time with you today. So I wanted to, I am recording this episode in the midst of the coronavirus epidemic that is stretching across the world and the country at this moment. So I did want to address this in the beginning of the episode. I feel like I would be remiss if I did not at least talk about it. And these are just uncertain times, times that are unprecedented that we have not seen or lived in before uh, with regards to this virus. And so I wanted to address it and also address it real quickly from the standpoint of someone dealing with an addiction. So Now we are dealing with being uh, quarantined at home. Uh, Some of it's mandatory, some of it's not. It's encouraged. But I just heard last night that California is now being uh, mandated to stay at home. So that's over 40 million Americans that are being required to stay at home. And so what I want to talk about for a few minutes is this idea now that we're at home And if you struggle with internet pornography, this could be a potential hazard, a potential trigger to increase temptation. 
And so I want to just uh, to really say a word to you to know that there's going to be probably opportunities or more opportunity to go that direction these next days and weeks. If you're stuck at home, if you're working at home, you know, uh, you're, you're uh, more isolated possibly. And that temptation can present itself and come your direction. So I want to encourage you to be diligent in guarding your heart. Uh, the Word of God says to, uh, to guard our hearts above all things. Above all things, guard our hearts. And so I wanted to just real quickly mention a couple of things in, uh, in doing that. Number one, just be self-aware. Self-aware of what could potentially trigger you. Is that the isolation? Is that the boredom? Is it fear of the unknown right now of like, am I going to lose my job? Am I worried about finances? Am I just scared about this illness in general? Um, whatever it is you're going through with that fear could be fear could be that emotion. So just be self-aware that there's something there that could trigger, trigger that. Um, maybe it's the isolation, just feeling lonely. You know, one of the words they're using a lot, obviously, is social distancing. But I heard this recently that I really liked to kind of reframe that is physical distancing versus social distancing. So they're really, I heard this doctor talking about how they're really asking us to physically distance ourselves from other people, not to go out, not to be around other people, not to be in groups larger than 10, things like that. But that's different than social distancing from the standpoint of still communicate with family and friends. That's the wonders of technology that we have available to us that we can reach out still through um, through our phones and through the internet. That's that's the great thing about that. So so don't lose disconnection during this time. Don't lose uh, staying in touch with the people that have been helping you along your journey along the way. Stay in tune with them. Stay connected. Uh, don't, don't lose that. Uh, so I want to encourage you with that and, and just know that you're not really alone. If it, maybe it's loneliness that's, that, that seeps in. Maybe you're struggling with depression or anxiety, whatever that is. Be self-aware. But then the second part of that is to, to stay connected, reach out. And then I would say the third part is this is a great opportunity to fellowship in a deeper way with your relationship with Christ. So whatever that looks like for you, uh, maybe it's more time in the Word. Maybe it's it's uh, just more intentional prayer time. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's doing something that that you have always wanted to do and had put it off to the side. Now you have the time to do it, like starting a podcast. Uh, who knows? I don't know what that is for you. But whatever it is that connects you in a deeper way with the Lord, this can be a time that is beneficial, not a time just wasted, but a time that is really, really beneficial uh, for your your walk with with the Lord, and so I want to encourage you in that, and just to know that I'm praying for you. Again, this community is to be a place of safety where we can pray for you and hear uh, hear what you're going through. So I am going to put a link uh, to my email at the end of this uh, podcast where you can reach me if you need to uh, email me for for prayer or for any other type of type of help. So. All right, so we're going to get to the next part of the show. So thank you for uh, just listening there on this part about the virus.
All right, moving on. So this title of this uh, episode is Your Story Matters Part 2, Unworthy. And so I want to continue to share more of my story to freedom and this idea of feelings of being unworthy. So last time I had talked to you about my first exposure to pornography was at 16. And so I just talked about that and leading up into my 20s where it was progressively getting worse. And I was now purchasing pornography and I was I was consuming it at a higher level. So at some point I get into this position where I'm I'm living on my own and I'm really there's no one that knows and I'm consuming it at a at a uh, at a higher rate and there's just this sense at some point that comes in number 1 of this is getting worse but it's 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 what I want it's what I'm going after and then at some point I started kind of going back to church and getting back into to to the church world and so dealing again with this addiction but then also the shame of being a part of a church and no one finding out and then the other side of it coming in as I was getting to a place where I was getting close to graduating college and I, I started asking questions like well am I going to get married am I is there anybody that's going to to want to be with me, to want to love me. So I want to start kind of with asking this question. This is really the question that I want to kind of talk about through sharing my story today is this idea of being worthy or feelings of unworthiness. So really when I look back at the kind of the core question of my whole life from as a teenager really on, I can, I can, I can see it as this, as, am I worthy? You know, they say that everyone has this kind of tape recorder in your, in your head that goes, goes on and it's, it's got a message or messages that, that you hear over and over again. And that has been the message that I've heard ever since I was a teenager. Am I worthy? And these feelings of not being worthy of feeling worthless. Is there something wrong with me? You know, I talked a little bit about, I, I did not have a lot of success with girls as a teenager. Uh, I felt, faced some rejection and just did not go on a lot of dates. I think I went to one dance my entire high school career. I, th- I had one girlfriend for like a few months. Uh, and I just, I just felt like girls didn't like me. And so that even fed even more into this this pornography uh, acceptance and, and making me feel worthy. But that really was the core question for me of feelings of unworthiness. There's something wrong with me. So I want to kind of, as I go through this, I want you to kind of think about that and how that, how that affects your own story. And at the end, I want to just talk about, again, some practical, uh, some practical tools that you can use to, to really begin to share your story so as I'm entering into getting ready, to, getting ready to graduate college and I am questioning whether I'm going to get married again, I actually went back to church and I met my now wife uh, at, at church and 
we just started talking and start and became friends. Uh, it was she, you know, I was in a pretty bad depression at that point in time, and I did not want to be in Texas, and I just, uh, you know, I was really struggling, and so she befriended me. That was the first thing that she did. She actually just accepted me for who I was. Now, at the time, she was interested in me more than just friends, but I just was looking for someone to to be a friend with and hang out with. And so she did that. She We just started this friendship. We ended up you know, going to church together. We ended up going, being a part of a Bible study together. And so we were just friends. And I, um, you know, that's what I needed at the time. I needed someone to just be my friend. And, um, so we started this friendship and of course, you know, I did not let her know what what was going on, you know, with me. And so, I, at some point, this friendship was going on, and I graduated from college, and our friendship was getting was getting deeper. And at, at that point, I really felt like this was uh, I wanted to take the relationship to the next step. And so um, I asked her to, you know, let's let's move forward in our relationship. Do you want to start dating? And we did, and so we did. We dated for for the next uh, for the next year or so, and then. After that, that, that we, I asked her to marry, marry me. And so I can remember, uh, a day or two after I asked her to marry me that I was living with my parents at the time. I had moved back in with them because I wanted to save some money before, before my marriage. Uh, and so I remember having already asked my now wife to marry, marry me and, I was having a conversation with my dad and I basically told him, you know, dad, I've got this, I've got this porn stash that I have. I've got all these videos and and things like that. And I'm getting ready to get married. Like, I don't want, I don't want this. I feel like I need to get rid of it. And he agreed. And so he, um, he actually helped me to kind of gather it all up. And we went, I think the next day to the trash bin and I had a, had my, my videos and everything that I, that I, um, had bought, uh, pornography wise, uh, and took it to the trash can and, and dumped it and got rid of it. And so, so I thought that that was going to be the end of it. And so our engagement was basically six months. So, but what I did not do when I dumped all those videos into the trash can, I did not deal with anything that was really going on inside of me. I did not deal with any of the root issues, uh, the unworthiness struggles, the shame issues, did not deal with any of that. It was just all behavior, uh, behavior management. So, so I, and I'm thinking that, okay, well, I'm going to be getting married. So here's the other lie in this that goes along with this is that you know, I, I'm going to be getting married. And so I'm going to be having sex all the time and that's going to fix my pornography addiction. And I'll get to a little bit more of that in a minute. So anyway, I I go, I take my videos So the next six months. I actually was, was pretty much, um, from what I can remember, I was pretty much porn free as far as looking at it. Uh, Masturbation was still a problem during that time. But as far as acting out from a looking at porn standpoint, I 
that that six month period of time, I I didn't look at it, but I was still masturbating. I still had the thoughts and images in my mind. So we get married, and uh, again, my wife uh, did not know the struggle, and so um, so I um, we got married. Within the first month, uh, it came out, and I had rented a, a, a pornographic video, and she discovered it, and of course, then that was that was uh, devastating, devastating for her, devastating for me. In that moment, it was just like everything that we thought we knew, and she thought she knew about me, and was was uh, was shattered in the very beginning. And that was very difficult. And I remember she, we, we talked and she basically at that moment in time, she didn't understand it all. She didn't know my backstory. She didn't know it had started, you know, basically 10 years before. Um, but, uh, it, it, you know, none of that was her fault. She just, she was dealing with what she needed to deal with. And so, so she had asked me at the time to get help right away from the very beginning. And I, I assured her, I nodded my head at her and said, yes, I, I will get help. And I don't, I really believe at the time I was probably just telling her what she wanted to hear. Cause I, I really still was in this place of like, I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know. And so I just was trying to reassure her, but it, uh, I didn't, I did not seek out help. And so so really in the beginning then stages was was me acting out, her catching me, uh, and at some point she kind of got numb to it in the first year or so and she kind of started started just like, okay, I think in some ways maybe just not really accepting it, but like, okay, I'm either going to have to stick through this with Matt or, uh, or I'm going to leave. And so... So the first few years of marriage, it just was kind of, it was hit and miss. It wasn't like it was all the time. Then what happened is we moved into a, a, you know, a different house and we, you know, the internet then at some point got to be more, uh, more open and available. And so we had a computer in the house. And so when the internet came in really to my world where it wasn't me having to go out and rent a video, that just opened up a whole, the, again, the accessibility, the availability of it just opened up a whole new uh, avenue for me to, to seek it out. And, and that was not good. And so I pursued it through the internet. And then when I could see, oh, wow, I can get this for free and uh, it can, you know, basically on demand anytime I want, that was not good. And so then uh, my wife began to discover that I was doing this on the internet as well. And there were times where she would ask me about it, but I, you know, I really really just was um, dealing with it in my own way. I became very good at managing my sin, what I would call a lust manager. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to, I knew I didn't want it. I knew I didn't want it in my life, but yet I still was allowing it to be there. Uh, it, it hadn't gotten to a place yet of like, I was. I hated it. I was really sick of it. Because honestly, I, if, if I was honest with you, I would say that I still liked it. I hated it, but I like, but I, but I liked it. I hated the shame. I hated the, the the guilt afterwards. I hated what it was doing to me. Um, 
but I liked it because I liked the fact that it was always there and available to me. It was almost like kind of like a best friend where you, you know, you could always count on it. It was always going to be there to medicate the pain or to take away the stress or to, to just provide that comfort. So I would say that this continued on for the first 11 years of my marriage. And, and my wife, uh, you know, again, would discover it at times. And, but there was a point in time where it began to really build and build. And, you know, we, we had had, we had children at the time too. And so that was also, you know, influential and everything. And, you know, I really wish that I could say that I just decided to quit on my own, but God really had to use the pain and the brokenness in my marriage to, to wake me up. Uh, that's what he used in my life to finally break me. I wish it could have been something else. I wish, wish I could have just, you know, woken up one day and said, you know, I really, really want to get healthy in this. I really want to get freedom in this, but it's not how it worked for me. And so at some point my wife was really kind of done. She was pretty much like, you either need to get help with this or I'm, I'm done. I can remember her having her bags packed and, and just really kind of like, I am done with this. I'm through. And that being confronted with that, it really did break me. Because again, when you're dealing with pornography, uh, it's a selfish, self-focused addiction. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking, well, you're thinking about three people, me, myself, and I, and you're thinking about your own needs getting met. And you're thinking about, you know, the pleasure that it provides you. And you're not thinking about really the impact and the hurt that it's doing to other people in your life. So that's one of the ways that God really began to redirect my focus and my attention was not how it was affecting me anymore, but how it was affecting my wife. That was the first, that was kind of the first layer of it. And and then eventually then how it was affecting my relationship with him. But first, really, that first kind of doorway was just seeing seeing the pain in my wife's eyes and realizing that she really was done. And I had trampled on her heart for 11 years. And yet, by God's grace, she stayed with me. She tried to work it out. And but at some point it was like, this can't continue. And 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 uh, and she had every right to leave. She had every right to to go that way. So at some point then, uh, I began to get help, uh, because I was confronted with losing my family, losing my marriage. I began to actually then reach out. This is when I found a, uh, really, I'd had a really good friend at the time and began to sit down with him and say, Hey, I got to talk to you about something. This is something going on in my life and it's really ruining my, my marriage. And that's when I opened up and it was, it was a friend that I had had that was really good friend. We got to know, and God just put him put him in my life. And, and I, I, uh, I needed this person. And I, I I think it took though, it took that level of brokenness in my marriage to finally get me to wake up to say, I need to tell somebody I need to like, I can't do this alone. I can't do this by myself. Uh, yes, my wife knows about it. God, I know you know about it, but, but I, you know, I need, I need help. I need someone else to kind of hear my story. And so I did that. God led me to to uh, an individual, another brother who I was able to to share share my story with. 
Um, and so as I, I want to kind of go to this, this point of worthiness, because as I really began then to, to, on my journey there of, of freedom in the, in the initial stages, God really had to begin this process of stripping down everything that I thought I knew about myself, about him and my identity, and then rebuilding me and rebuilding my worth into how he saw me and how he sees me. And I, I can remember early on in my finally starting to get help, I can remember God gave me this picture, this image. Um, I can still remember it to this day. And it was this picture of me actually sitting at a, like this long dining room table. And Jesus comes in. And he comes and sits at the opposite end of the table. And he sits there and he kind of looks at me and is kind of waiting for me to say something. And, and, and all, it's like at first I'm just kind of like overwhelmed that God's like uh, Jesus even would want to be with me. Because a lot of this during this time of my addiction, like I just felt like God had abandoned me and left me. And so I remember him looking across and there was this kind of like this reassurance that, Matt, I never left you. My presence was always with you. Even when you clicked on those websites, even when you were doing, were acting out in all those ways, I was with you. And that picture for me, just, it just shattered me. It just overwhelmed me. It just, it, man, it broke me again of like, this is how much you love me, God. This is how much you care for me. And that really began to rebuild in me this, this idea of worthiness, that my worth is based on how he sees me, not how other people see me or even how I see myself sometimes because a lot of times I'm evaluating myself on my behavior and on what I'm doing or not doing and he's sitting there at the other end of the table saying Matt I'm always with you and I'm always available to you I'm always here to fellowship with you that was just a complete game changer for me so I, I want to go kind of along the lines here with this to, to kind of share some practical steps here to, to wrap up and some action steps in this. And I, you know, when I, when I talk to guys about, about sharing their story or finding someone, I really, first of all, uh, that, th this is what I do. I am now, um, a, uh, a sexual purity coach. Uh, I, I coach men to find freedom in, Pornography, it's what I do. So I actually get to listen to guys' stories. It's a its a privilege of mine. I'm humbled by it that God would now allow me to to be able to use my story and that he would use me to, to be able to listen to other guys and to be a safe place for other guys. And so that's that's what I do. And so, I, but I encourage them to, when they come and tell me, I also encourage them to find another brother, another person in their life. Uh, but I also make sure to reassure them that safety is important. And so I want to tell you that if you're in this in this phase of, well, who do I tell? Well, who do I need to tell? Um, find find someone that's safe. Find someone that you that you trust. 
And here's what I would also say is find someone who is already on this path to freedom. Find someone who has already started the process to freedom. They're already, they may be a little bit ahead of you. That's what you want. Uh, they may be right alongside of you. That's okay too. But maybe someone that's really already along this journey and started, started going. You know, uh, there really is, as much as I tried in my own story, there really is no private way of getting out of this. There's no like making this deal with God. Like, okay, God, if I don't have to tell anybody, then you're, you're going to fix it all. It, it just doesn't work that way. God's process is that we have to get honest with ourselves and we have to just expose the hidden parts um, of our insides. And so, so this idea, okay, so, so safety important and then find someone that's really already on the path. And so those are, those are two things. So the relationship is huge with that. Whoever you find for this to tell your story to, it needs to be, there needs to be a connection there. Now I will say sometimes some guys come in and tell me that, you know, Hey, uh, it, it was, it was easier for me to tell you, and I don't even really know you. And that could be the case as well. So for those, as I mentioned last time, for those of you that don't have anyone in your life, that can be me. I'm going to include my email in this, uh, in the, in the, in the notes to this episode, please feel free to reach out and email me because this is what I do. I listen to people's stories and I would love to hear your story and to, to be able to help you along the way and to pray for you in this moment. But this idea of worthiness, this last kind of action step, I really would encourage you this this week, this next time, this next few days, to go to God and ask God this question. God, how do you see me? How do you see me? And really, really quiet your heart and listen for what he says, whether it's through his word, whether it's through just an image. Like I said, that Jesus, I had this image of Jesus sitting at the table with me. Just ask that question, be vulnerable to the Lord and say, God, how do you see me? You know, I really, as I look back on my own story and I see that all of this was really God's gift to me, all of the brokenness, all of the, the, the pain that I caused my marriage and my, and my wife and my family, all of that was at the time, it did not feel like a gift. It did not seem like a gift. Of course it didn't, but it, it truly was a gift from God that he had to use. It was necessary that he had to do that in me. That pain had to be there for me to finally wake up to reality and bring the darkness into the light. And so brokenness really truly is the pathway to freedom. It just is. And it's almost like we have to get to this place of embracing that brokenness, embracing the pain. Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's going to be risky to tell someone. But I have to. I've got to get to that place. If I don't, get to that place, I'm still going to be managing it in my own way and trying to figure it out in my own way. So I want to encourage you in those things. Please reach out to to me. We have a ministry called Freedom For You. And uh, I will also put the link to our, our ministry um, Facebook page. 
you can reach out as well. Uh, thank you again for for listening to this episode. And we're going to really wrap up next time on this idea of your story matters. Because again, I want to remind you that your story does matter. It matters to God. It matters to me. And I want it to matter to you. So as we say at this uh, in this community so often that freedom is available and come as you are and find freedom. <laughs>